Second Chronicles chapter 12, verse 6. And that's in the Old Testament, in case you're wondering. Verse 6, and it says this. It says, Then the priests of Israel and the king humbled themselves and said, The Lord is righteous. Everybody say, The Lord is righteous. Now turn to your Bibles if you look to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Matthew 6, 33. Don't worry, nothing weird is going on. He's just changing the battery. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and His, and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We're going to use this thing right here. Just don't let me. Ouch. Okay. Matthew 6.33 But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Second Corinthians, if you would, Turn to 2 Corinthians. I'm going to read two more passages of Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It says this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. One last verse. This is your Bible reading for today. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. It says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. To the Jew first, and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Verse 17 again, for in it, in what the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word tonight. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. But I pray that tonight, that God, you would be glorified. And I pray that our eyes would be opened up, God, to know you in a more intimate way. God, use me tonight in Jesus' my name. Amen. And we started a series about three weeks ago. And we've been talking about uh, the attributes of God. We've been talking about who God is. Why are we talking about who God is? Well, because we're supposed to look more like God. And so in order to look more like somebody, you probably ought to know what they look like. Right? And so we started this series about three weeks ago talking about the attributes of God. Now as we talk about the attributes of God, we need to know what attributes are. What are attributes? Attributes are characteristics that make up an individual. Okay? And it's so like, for me, I am tall, dark, and... Thank you for whoever said that. I'm tall, dark, and handsome. You can distinguish me from amongst everyone here because I'm tall, dark, and handsome. And humility is my best trait. That's not what 
So those are attributes that make up who I am. Okay, well, there's attributes that make up who God is. And we talked about it in two separate categories. The first category are the essential attributes of God. These are the attributes that, that set God apart from all other creation. Okay? These are the things that make him God. These things can never be shared with you and I, because if they were, then you would be God. Okay? Some of those attributes are things like he's all-knowing. You and I are not all-knowing. I hate to burst your bubble, but you are not all-knowing. Okay? Now, I know you have some friends that think they know it all, okay? but they're not God. Okay? They are not all-knowing. That is God and him alone. That is one of the things that sets him apart. Uh, God is everywhere present. You and I are not everywhere present. How many would like that quality every now and then, though? Just to be able to do many things at once. Yeah. Well, you and I are not that, but God is, and that's what makes him God. That's what sets him apart from all other creation, that he can be everywhere present. Okay? God is all-powerful. You and I are not all-powerful. Now, I know if you ask my four-year-old right now, she thinks I can do anything. I can fix anything. I can do anything. Uh, but one day she's going to realize, Dad, you really aren't that great. <laughs> Okay? But God is. God is all-powerful. Okay? You and I are not. If the world we would be God. Those are the essential attributes of God. Now, there's many more, but those are the things that God has all by himself that he's not going to share with you and I. But there's also what's called the moral attributes of God. And these are the attributes that he wants to share with you and I. Okay? Essential attributes, those are DNA of God that set him apart. Just like if I was to, you know, somehow test your DNA, okay, your DNA would set you apart from everybody else, okay? Those are the essential attributes of God. The moral attributes of God are things that he wants to put inside you and I. We talked the first week about holiness. What is holiness? Holiness is God being consistent with himself. So anything that is consistent with the nature of God is holy. So the more you and I become consistent with God's nature, the more holy you and I become. We talked about that in the first week. We talked last week about God is love. God does not just have love. God does not just love things and love people. But God all by himself is love. We talked about that's why Jesus Christ came and died on the cross, went to the grave and rose again. We talked about that on Easter Sunday. Because if Jesus would not have done that, then God would not have been loved. It was love that drew him and caused him to do that. Okay? Tonight, we're going to talk about righteousness. Next week, we're going to talk about the last one, which is faithfulness. These are the moral attributes of God. These are the things he wants to stick inside you and I, much like I have some of my dad's DNA in me. Okay? So if they were to test my blood, they would see, okay, this is your DNA. This is what makes you who you are. You're separate from everybody else. But they can also then test my parents' DNA and say, okay, you belong to this mom and this dad. This is what God wants to do. So the more holy I become, the more love I become, and the more tonight righteous I become, the more I begin to look like God. And these things set me apart from every other creature so they know that, hey, you belong to God. Are you with me tonight? So tonight we are going to look at righteousness. And we're going to begin to break it down uh, as simplistic as we can as soon as I get to my notes. And uh, we're going to begin to talk about I asked my, uh, some of my team even this morning, I said, do you know what righteousness is? And they gave me good definitions and things like that. Uh, but I realized that even though uh, we may have grown up in church, even though we may have gone to Bible school, um, even all those things, and I've been there, and I've done that, and I've learned, and I've got the different de definitions of righteousness, but as I've been studying it, even this week, I began to discover that I really didn't understand what righteousness was. And so tonight, it is my goal, it is my plan to begin to break this down in such a simplistic manner uh, that you can walk away knowing what righteousness is. Is that cool? 
Everybody cool with that? We're on the same page? Okay, awesome. So that's where we're going tonight as we begin to talk about righteousness. So I'm just going to jump straight into these points tonight. Number one, okay, we're going to just flow right through the Bible, connect all the verses uh, that we have been talking about. Number one, we read out of 2 Chronicles verse 12, or chapter 12, verse 6, that God is righteous. The Bible makes this statement, God is righteous. Also in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, that we're to seek first the kingdom of God. But not just the kingdom of God, what else? And His righteousness. You know, listen to the Bible tonight because this is very important. We're to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Okay? Last week we talked about love, and it's good to know that God is love. We talked before about God is holy. We need to understand that we're going to tie those together tonight. But the Bible says this, hey, look, seek first the kingdom of God. And if you're going to seek one of his attributes, here's what you need to seek. You need to seek his righteousness. Okay? So we need to, I think that it's probably worth taking some time to understand what that is. Okay? Because if we don't, then we might miss it. And if we miss it, that's a bummer. I told you it's going to be simple. Number one, righteousness is something that God is. Let me give you a definition tonight. Definition of righteousness. Righteousness is holiness in action. Righteousness is holiness in action. So if you weren't here for holiness, you're going to have to go home, get on the website and listen to it. Righteousness is holiness in action. Righteousness is a holy God acting in a just and upright manner towards his creatures. Righteousness is a holy God acting in a just and upright manner towards his creatures. Okay? So, holiness, what is holiness? Holiness is anything consistent with God's nature. Holiness, though, when we talk about holiness, being consistent with God's nature causes you to walk something out. It causes you to act something out. Let me put it this way. Holiness would be like if you want to cook something, okay, how many of you guys like to cook? Nobody. So fast food for, right? Okay. Holiness would be if you like to cook something and maybe you're not as talented as, you know, the chef on TV and you need to go grab what they call a recipe. Right? And, and you know what they show you on, on the picture of the recipe? They show you the finished product, okay? It's kind of like when you go to a drive-up window and you look and you see the hamburger. And you see the pictures, and you're like, I just want number one. You know, you don't even tell me what you want. You just tell me what I want. Well, why? Because it looks good. Okay, I'm not a fast food guy, but let's just pretend. Okay? And you see that picture. How about it never turns out like the picture, though? Okay, the burgers look so juicy, so good, so wonderful. I mean, it's got just stuff. Oh, it just looks good. Then you get it like a bun. Yeah, it's my experience. I don't know. Okay? So you're looking at the recipe, and you look at that picture. That picture is... Holiness. Really? <laughs> yes, they're with me. Okay? That picture is the finished product. This is what your recipe is supposed to produce. Are you with me tonight? So holiness would be like the picture. It's like it's like all of the pieces of the recipe coming together. Or if you have any game players out there, holiness is like the rules to the game. Okay? Righteousness, then, is this. Righteousness is the following though, that recipe to a T, putting it together, and all of a sudden now I have the finished product. We got somebody rapping in the background? <laughs> Sorry. I'm ADD, okay. I gotta stay focused. 
if you miss one of those out, how many of you guys are those people that, that, you, that you cook and you think, oh, I don't have that, it's not a big deal? And you just leave it out, okay? And you think, yeah, no, not a big deal, just leave it out. I mean, come on, what could a pinch of salt really do to the recipe? Right? Well, try to go without it, let's see what happens, okay? I remember one time, my wife wanted to make my favorite mayonnaise cake. I know it sounds disgusting, okay? Has anyone ever had mayonnaise cake? Manny's cake. What is it? Manny's cake is the most moist cake you'll ever have in your whole entire life. Sorry, we're having a lot of technical difficulties tonight. Sorry about that. Anything else we need to do? Did I forget to shave? Okay. So she wanted to make a Manny's cake and she wanted to surprise me. So she got the recipe from my mom. Why? Because I was in love with Manny's cake. She wanted to make it for my birthday. And it's the most moist. Ah, it's just good. Okay. You're going to want to go out and get the recipe down and make a Manny's cake. Okay. Well, she was following the recipe, and she went and put the, you actually put mayonnaise in it. That's why I call it mayonnaise cake. I know it sounds disgusting. You can actually cook mayonnaise. It doesn't kill you. I know it's freaky, but it happens, okay? And so like, you don't use butter or margarine. You use mayo. So my wife goes, and she goes in, and she grabs the mayo, and I'm telling you, this is the thick, moistest cake you've ever had. Well, she cooks it, and it comes out, and it's like this thin. And, and she's like embarrassed. She's like, my mom is coming. This is like the first birthday since we've been married, okay? And if you're not married yet, you don't know what that's like. But she wanted to impress the mother-in-law, okay? And she's ready, and she was like, this nanny's cake. It comes out the oven. She's like, Ben, this doesn't look right, does it? I look at it, it's like, one of those brownies? <laughs> she's like, no, that's the nanny's cake. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> so what she did to make up for it, she cut it in half, and she stacked it to try to make it look fit, like mom makes, right? And then she, you know, totally pasted the frosting all around it so it looked like a nice thick cake. So hopefully mom wouldn't even notice when she came over for my birthday. But of course, mom came over for my birthday and she noticed. Yeah, she tasted it. It's like, it, where it was supposed to be voice and soft, it was the densest cake I've ever had in my life. And I just, I just gritted my teeth through it. I was like, oh, baby, this is so good. You know, it's great. She's downstairs and I have the kids, so it's okay. And this, this cake was honestly horrible, okay? And she knows it to this day. I don't think she's, we've been married for 12 years, this is our first, and she hasn't tried making this cake in 11 years, okay? And so, you know, my mom is like, well, you know, what do you think happened? And she, my mom is just like this, and so, my mom, if you're watching tonight, what she does every of you, and, uh, and so, she started going through the rest of, well, did you do this? Yes. Well, did you do this? Yes. Well, did you put the mail in? Yes. Well, wait a second. Did you use regular mail or fat-free mail? She was like, oh, I use fat-free mail. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Thus, the flat cake. Okay. Try to follow the ingredients to a T, try to do it, but just missed one ingredient. And because she missed one ingredient, we then ended up with a gross cake. Okay. This, ladies and gentlemen, is righteousness. Here is God. God is holy. He set up his standards, if you will. He said, this is who I am. This is what I want you to become. Okay? And now here's the set of rules, or here's the recipe to do that. And many times in life, we will be doing the best that we can. And we're going to talk about this in just a minute. We'll be doing all that we can to adhere to that. But sometimes we miss it in one place. Or maybe it's just me. And we miss it in that one place, and we fall short. The Bible says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. That's why we celebrated what we celebrated last weekend. Because Jesus Christ came to fulfill all righteousness. Righteousness is that recipe. Righteousness is, is the rules. I, I brought this game tonight. I don't know if anybody's ever played it before. But this is like one of the most fun games ever. But it's only a four-person game. 
And it's life. Twists and turns. Okay. Sounds like real life, doesn't it? <laughs> anyway. Life. Now, when I first got this game, and, and for those of you that know me well, and I know there's going to be people here that start to laugh when I say this because they think I'm a cheater when it comes to games, but I'm really not. It's not my fault that I just win more than you do, okay? Get over it, people. Okay. I mean, you know, isn't it funny that when you win, most of the time people think you must be cheating? Maybe I'm just good at games. There, take that, okay? I got the chip off my shoulder, okay? Now, when I first got this game, um, you, know, I, 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 you know, I opened it up nicely. And the first thing I do is I always go for the instructions or the rules, okay? Why do I do that? Because I don't cheat. I play by the rules, okay? So the first thing I do is I go there and I read through why because I want, I want to know how to play this thing, okay? Now, I can play this thing any which way I want. I can, I can just make up my own rules and say, okay, you know, I get 45 turns, you guys get one. You know what I mean? It's, it's house rules, okay? I can make up my own rules, but you know what? Nobody's going to have any fun, and we're not playing by the rules, and therefore we're probably going to miss something along the way, and nobody's ever going to win, okay? So what I like to do is I like to pull out these rules, and I read through them, and I say, okay, this now is how, this is the standard, okay? Now when it comes time to play the game, and it's so much fun because it comes with this little thing right here. I don't even know if it's on. You guys hear that? Makes you want to play, doesn't it? It's a great game. Okay. Now I know there's people out there, and I'm not going to point any fingers, but there's people out there that they just rip into the game and they set up all the pieces and they just finish play. And you're like, okay, well did you read the rules? They're like, oh, I don't need the rules, I've played this game before. Okay. And you start playing by their rules. Now don't point the fingers at your friends right now, okay? And you start playing by their rules, but all of a sudden along, along down the line you're like, something doesn't make sense, are you sure that? Oh yeah, I know this is the way we played it before. And then you actually pull out the rules and you read it and it's like, that's not even in the game. What are you talking about? This is the way you go. Oh, that's the way my friend played it. Then they start pointing the finger at everybody else, okay? I'll talk about that later, okay? That's why it's essential that you pull this out because if you don't pull this out, you don't know how to play, okay? Holiness, right here. Okay, it's standard, holiness, okay? Now as I begin to play by these rules, that's what we're calling righteousness. Are you following me tonight? Is this making sense? I'm trying to make this, we're going to bring back life here in just a minute. I'm trying to make this make as much sense as possible tonight. Righteousness is a holy God acting in a just and upright manner towards his creation. Okay? As you begin to play out this thing, God has set up a standard. As you begin to play out this thing called life, God has set up a standard for you to play by. And as you play by his standard, that is righteousness. Or as you don't play by it, that is unrighteousness. Very quickly, righteousness plays out in two ways. It plays out in punishment and it plays out in rewards. How many of you guys like the rewards? Fantastic, me too. Okay. See, a lot of times when we think about the righteousness of God, we think about one thing first. We think about punishment. And we know that, that God must punish the sinner because that's righteous. And a righteous God must punish sin, must, must, must do that. And a lot of times when we think about righteousness, that's the way we think about it. But righteousness does not just play out in punishment, it plays out in rewards. Write this down tonight if you would. Write down Romans 2, verse 6. Romans 2, verse 6. I want to read this to you tonight. It says, He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. Verse 8. But for those 
who are self-seeking, or if we can put it this way, who are self-righteous, and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be a wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil. The Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good. The Jew first and also the Greek. For God shows no partiality. Wow. So righteousness plays out both in rewards and also in punishment. If you play by the rules of the game, you win. If you cheat, you don't. I know there's a saying that say, you know, what is it? If you're not cheating, you're not trying. I don't live by that. Okay. I play by the rules. Okay. Cheaters never. That's right. Okay. This is essentially what God is saying. God is saying holiness standard. Here it is. How you play that out on earth. If you play by the rules, that's righteous. If you don't play by the rules, that's unrighteous. And the end result, we just read about it. Romans chapter 2. As I think about this, this subject, and I think about in my own house, we have rules set up for our kids. There are things they can do and things they can't do, and our kids know the rules. Now, once we've established those rules, they have to choose to either abide by those rules or not abide by those rules. Now, obviously, they're too young, six and four, to be kicked out of the house. I'm sorry, honey, you blew it. You're on your own. Okay. But there are consequences to their actions. If they blow it, there's punishment. If they do it right, there's rewards. Now, listen to me tonight. I would not be a good dad if I did not follow through with the rules. No one would walk in. If I said, honey, there's nobody in the house, okay? And you came over to my house, and my kids were running through the house and jumping over furniture and knocking tables over and stuff, and I just sat there. You would not look at those kids like they had an issue. You would look at me like I had an issue. Especially if you walked into my house and I laid out the rules for you. Hey, by the way, here's the rules. Um, uh, the rules are no running in the house, okay? No jumping over furniture. You're like, oh, okay, cool. And all of a sudden, my kids come running through, <laughs> and they're running and jumping over everything. You'd be waiting for me to do something, okay? The longer I sit there and I do nothing, the more you realize that there are no rules. Are you with me tonight? In order for me to be a good parent, I have to now reward them for doing good and punish them for doing bad, okay? Why is God righteous? Why does God have to punish us when we're not following the right path? Why does God reward us when we are? Because if he didn't, he wouldn't be holy. And if he wasn't holy, he wouldn't be God. Because holiness is God being consistent with his nature. Are you following me tonight? God lays out rules. Hey, you know, these are things you can do. These are things you cannot do. Okay? And if we abide by the rules that God lays out, then there's rewards. And there's rewards. Remember, there's more rewards than there is punishments. And it's, he's a good God. Okay? But if we don't, and punishment comes, listen to me tonight, that punishment is still good. When I punish my daughter for running in the house, okay, why don't I want her to run in the house? She can step on our little midget dog and kill it, okay? Number one, okay? Number two, she can hurt herself. Don't forget about the hurt first, right? I don't want my dog dead, okay? But she can step on our toy poodle and just annihilate it with one step, so I don't want her running in the house, okay? Plus, our dog is the same color as our floor, and she could be easily missed, you know? Okay? It's a true story. Let the meters time. But also, I don't want her to be hurt. So when I come and I say, baby, I don't want you to run in the house. I'm not doing it because I'm a bad dad. 
I'm doing it because I know the results of their side. So now when she runs in the house and I punish her, okay, it's because I'm a good dad. When God comes and he punishes you, the Bible says this, that no punishment is fun for the moment, but yet it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Hebrews chapter 12. And no punishment is good for the moment. I don't like being punished, but you know what? It's okay to be punished because it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness, meaning that when I get corrected or when my child gets corrected, they know, yep, I shouldn't have been doing that, but if I just would have walked, I would have been fine. Okay? Now, I don't know about you, but I've found myself in, in, in times and seasons of my life where I've blown it. Has anybody else ever blown it? I was only one. Okay? Now, you might not get punished the first time. That's God's mercy. Okay? You might not get punished the second time. That's still God's mercy. But on the third time, if God starts punishing you, that's still God's mercy. Okay? Why? Because he loves you so much and he loves you enough to say, hey, you're going the wrong direction. You're doing the wrong thing. This is what I firmly believe with all my heart. That God is so good that he'll come to you privately first and he'll say, hey, this is wrong. You need to change it. And he'll come to you a second time privately and say, hey, this is wrong. You better change it. And he might come a third time. He might bring a friend along and say, hey, I've noticed something. You might want to change that and you better change it. But there comes a time when God will, the Bible says this, be sure your sin will find you out. Mark it. Know it. Eventually your sin. What is sin? Sin is that which is not consistent with the nature of God. Therefore, I'm not holy. And, and it just the Bible says, just, just, just hold on. Your sin, eventually, if you continue to do it, will find you out. How does it find you out? I believe this with all my heart. God will come to you privately, come to you privately, come to you privately. But eventually, he'll bring your sin public. Why? Because he wants to humiliate you? No. Because he loves you. And he doesn't want you to continue in sin. And he came to you privately once. He came to you privately twice, three times, four times, ten times. But eventually he loves you enough to say, okay, we're going to go public with this thing. And once it goes public, David said this, I would rather fall into the hands of God than into the hands of man. And I'll tell you what, I know for me, I would rather be dealt with by God than man. Because God is merciful. And man is relentless. As we also do tonight, this, this is just out of my heart. Man is relentless. God is so merciful, so good, and he'll, but once you fall man, they're, just, they're relentless. And I'll tell you why usually men are relentless. Is because as long as I can keep everybody's focus on their issue, no one will look at mine. But God loves everybody. God cares about everybody. His mercy. Are you catching this tonight? Are you picking up what I'm laying down? Because what I'm throwing. Good. Number two. Righteousness is something we become. Righteousness is something we become. 2 Corinthians 5.21. I want you to catch this tonight. You have to catch this or you might miss the whole thing. It says that through Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ did what he did on the cross, not just so that we become righteous, but read your Bible it says that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Everything Jesus did on the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection, doesn't automatically just stamp righteous on your life. You have to come to the place where you realize, man, I am unrighteous. Righteousness is something we become. In other words, that the rules of the game is something we learn to adapt to, if I can put it that way. That the first time when I played this game called life, I didn't know what I was doing. I read the rules. I went through them. I went back to them time and time again to see if I 
was playing this game right, and I would come to a certain point in the game where I didn't know what to do, and so I'd go back to the rules, but there was a learning curve, and once I learned, then okay, I know how to play, okay? But the only way I knew how to do that was by continually going back to the manual. The only way that you and I can learn to be righteous, number one, is through what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He's the way, the truth, the life, okay? But not only that, now we have to take that life, accept that life, and begin to apply what he did on the cross to our life, and begin to live it out daily. Begin to walk through what he did daily, and we've got to continually go back to the manual, see if we're getting it right. Are you with me tonight? Are you with me tonight? Keep going back to the manual, and as you do that, then all of a sudden now, righteousness is something you become. God wants us to live out holiness here on earth, and that is righteousness. When you and I live out holiness on earth, we are living righteousness. The only way we do that is by following the rules or the recipe, if you will. The other day, I was, I was uh, went down to the beach, and my daughter was hungry, so we stopped, and we got a burger. At this place, we're waiting for our burgers. They gave us the little, I love, I love having kids because they automatically give you the crayons and the little thing that you can play with, and then I steal them from my kids, and I play. One of the things they had on there was tic-tac-toe. I mean, it was like tic-tac-toe, simple game, right? I explained it to my six-year-old, and she caught it. Okay, Dad, you go first, then I go second, or vice versa, I'll be extra GDOs. Okay? She knew the rules. She knew how to play, okay? Holiness, boom, there's the standard. Here's how you play. I went first, and I put a little circle, and then I turned away to, to grab a drink, and then I turned away to grab a drink, I turned back, and there were two X's on there. I was like, just like her mother. No, I was like, what? I looked over at her, she was just sitting there. Maybe you know that my six-year-old was sneaky. She was just looking there, and kind of looking over at her face, and just kind of... And I was like, car, and she's like, yeah? I was like, you cheated. She said, no, I didn't. I was like, there, there was no X's there, but you know, there's two. You caught me. You know, she had to figure out on her face. I was just like, you cheated. Then she threw down another X real quick and she said, I got three in a row. You know? okay. She knew how to play, but she chose to play not by the rules. Therefore, she was being unrighteous, so I punished her. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's it, right now, go to the restaurant. You know, I'm just kidding. Yeah, just kidding. She knew, but she chose to not play by the rules. Okay? Now my four-year-old on the other hand, she doesn't know how to play by the rules. She's still trying to grasp this concept. And so it's like, okay, I played with her. And I was like, okay, your X is not lost. And she's like, okay, X, 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 X. And one day, and I'm like, okay, she, she just doesn't know the rules. She doesn't grasp them yet, okay? But my six-year-old, she knew, okay? okay then, you know, lately, I, I've been, I've been, as I've been thinking about this, I've been thinking of, okay, how can I get this point across? Have you ever played a sport where you've gone to somebody and said, hey, you know how to play basketball? And they're like, oh yeah, I don't play basketball. Okay? And you take their word for it. Mistake number one, don't take their word for it. Get game field to prove that they know how to play basketball, okay? Yeah. I just recently joined a basketball league. And we're, we're doing good. We lost like 47 points last Monday. That's right, laugh on your word. 47. I don't think I've ever lost that unless before. I'll be honest, I was humiliated. When I got home, I was like, babe, I'm never going back to that gym again. I just shaved my head balls and recommend the next week. I don't think they got to play. 47 points, that's a lot of people. 
Now, I love everyone on my team because most of them are sitting in here, okay? So I have to. The Bible says love one another. I don't have a choice. I have to love them. I don't have to like you. The Bible says nothing about liking. It just says love, okay? So I love you, but last week I didn't like any of you. Anyway. But all I did is say, hey, you guys, you guys play basketball? Oh, yeah, we play basketball. Okay. And they play, you know? Oh, and we play hard. <laughs> Look, I play horrible too, okay? So, but we play, we play hard. Like, we, we give it our, we left our hearts on the floor. That's all that matters. <laughs> Whoever said it, it's not whether you win or lose, it's how you play the game. I'm a liar. <laughs> They obviously were losers and had to think of something to make the game fun. I'm tired of losing all the time. It's not whether you win or lose, it's how you play the game. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> now, now, here's the deal is, yes, they can play, they can dribble the ball, they can chuck the ball at the rim, and uh, we can do all that stuff, but when it comes time to actually running a play, what's that? <laughs> play defense, right? You know, build a fence, what are you talking about, you know? And, and so I should have asked for the game to go, but I didn't, okay? All right? I just went in with this concept. Now, here's the problem, okay? They had a concept of playing basketball, and I had a concept of playing basketball. What we needed to do was get our concepts on the same playing field. Are you with me tonight? When we talk about living righteous, people have their concept of what that is. And God has his concept of what that is. And we think that, yeah, hey, man, I know how to live righteous. Don't smoke, don't chew, and don't hang out with the girls that do. That's righteous. Okay? Don't sleep around. Don't get drunk. Don't do this. Don't do that. And we think we have this, this model of what righteousness is, and God's over here saying, man, that is not righteousness at all. Righteousness is just simply get into this and begin to do what it says and begin to live by it. All of a sudden, the next day, you feel down a little more holy. You with me tonight? But we have this definition of what the problem is, is that deep down inside, we all want to achieve holiness. Deep down inside, we all want that. But we don't necessarily want to play by the rules, and so we have our own set of rules. And when we play by our own set of rules, that's where we get the concept of being self-righteous. This is the rules. This is the righteousness that God wants you to live by. But this is the standard of the, the rules that you came up with, and you think that this is going to get you to where you need to go. But the Bible says... In Isaiah, that all our righteousness is as filthy rags, and it fades even as a leaf. Why does it say even as a leaf? Because if you rewind to Genesis, what did Adam and Eve do to cover themselves up? What was their attempt to get righteous? Leaves, skins, things that they could. But God says, hold on. All your attempts to get to holiness by your self-righteousness fall Sure. So Jesus Christ came, Corinthians 5, Jesus Christ came that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Are you with me tonight? Okay. Let me tell you a story. There's a story of this, of this boat, and it was, uh, it was back in the 1800s, and this boat, it was one of those, what do they call it, the steamboats? Have the big wheels, steam comes out. Yeah, Okay. Good, so make sure I'm talking about the right boat. Yeah. Just speed boat, speed boat in this case. One of those things that the steam, man, this thing was the talk of the town. And when this thing got in the water, people were partying, man, the crew, they were the best crew ever, and, and everybody wanted to go on this boat. 
They went on this boat one particular night, and as they were out there, everybody's having a good time, the crew's doing their job, and all of a sudden they recognized something was wrong with the boat. And, and, and the captain was like, man, there's something wrong with the boat, we need to fix it, let down the anchor. So they let down the anchor, and they're going to begin to work on it, and all of a sudden the captain looks, and they're drifting very fast in this river. He was like, guys, let down the anchor, so we stop. And, and the guys looked up and said, man, we heard you the first time, we did let down the anchor. Quickly they solved the problem as they were heading towards the rocks. They were heading very quickly towards the rocks. That's the true story. They're heading very quickly towards the rocks. They fixed that boat just in time to get away from those rocks. Later on, they discovered this. They discovered that the rope or the chain that the anchor was on was three feet too short to reach the bottom. Thus, they continued to drift. You and I, that's what our attempts of righteousness is like. Man, we're almost there, man. We almost got it, but yet every time we fall just about three feet short. And we continue to be drifted by this thing and that thing. And we're drifting through life and we're trying to make it, but yet we can't. Why? Because all of our attempts of righteousness fall short. So Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Bible says in Matthew that he came to fulfill all righteousness. When he came in and he came down and did what he did, he not only fulfilled all righteousness, but the Bible says, looking unto him, the author and finisher of our faith. That as we look unto Jesus, we begin to become more righteous. As we begin to live by him, the Bible says that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Are you with me tonight? Number three, we're going to end real quickly. Number three, righteousness is something we should hunger for. Righteousness is something we should hunger for. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Why should we hunger and thirst after righteousness? Because it's through that righteousness. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So as we hunger for righteousness, we're hungry for the right way of doing things. We're hungry for the process of giving to holiness. Lastly tonight, write this one down, we're going to close. Righteousness is something we should display. Righteousness is something, why should we display? Because the Bible says they'll see our good works and they'll glorify our Father who is in heaven. They'll see a righteous way of living and through that they'll see holiness. And through holiness they'll see God and they'll glorify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They'll see our good works and they'll glorify our Father who is in heaven. God is holy. God is love. God is righteousness. And this is you playing according to the rules, living according to the word of God. And as you do that, you begin to take on more of the nature of God. People look at you and say, man, there's something different about you. God, we thank you for your word tonight. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. God, I thank you, Lord God, that we, Lord, we can't achieve righteousness all by ourselves. God, we couldn't play by the rules. God, we couldn't live up to the standards. So you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus.